So I grew up learning about the Chinese zodiac, and I'm the year of the horse, which means I'm adventurous, independent, stubborn, though not, not quite as stubborn as Olivia in some cases. <laughs> and I just really find the Chinese zodiac a fascinating way to learn about ourselves as well as others. And so growing up learning about this, this book was a great way for me to dive back into my culture and learning more about the Chinese zodiac. There's a lot of nuance and complexity to it. And then I set that in a rom-com setting and the online dating aspect came in because I met my husband online dating. Welcome to the Friends and Fiction Writer's Block Podcast. Four New York Times bestselling authors, one rock star librarian, and endless stories. Join Mary Kay Andrews, Kristen Harmel, Christy Woodson Harvey, and Patty Callahan Henry, along with Ron Block. As novelists, we are four longtime friends with 70 books between us. And I am Ron Block. Please join us for fascinating author interviews and insider talk about publishing and writing. If you love books and are curious about the writing world, you are in the right place. Welcome to a brand new episode of the Friends and Fiction Writers Block Podcast. We love when a debut comes out that creates buzz, both in publishing, but to readers as well. Our guest this week, Lauren Kung Jessen, is the author of a recent Straight Out of the Gate winner. Her book, Lunar Love, published in January, and it launches what is sure to be a perfect Valentine's read. I am Ron Block. And I'm Meg Walker. Lunar Love was a Book of the Month Club selection and received a starred review from Library Journal, along with endless love from readers, reviewers, booksellers, and authors like Amy Popple and Linda Cohen Loickman. Lauren is a mixed-race Chinese writer and an unapologetic romantic with a fondness for full moons and making meals with too many steps but lots of flavor. Born in the year of the horse, Lauren craves a good challenge and expresses her abundance of emotions through the love stories she writes. She lives in Nashville with her husband, two cats, and a dog. Welcome to the podcast, Lauren. Thank you so much for having me. We were so glad to have you here. Yes. <laughs> this is exciting. Lauren, congratulations. Thank I know. You. Congratulations on the publication of the book. Tell us what the book is about, and then tell us some of the underlying themes that make it such an embraceable read. Sure. So Lunar Love is about two Chinese Zodiac matchmakers who have very different approaches to how they help people find love. One does it more traditionally, and that's Olivia Huang Christensen, and she's taking over her Popo's Chinese Zodiac matchmaking business. In Chinese, Popo means maternal grandmother. And she's up against someone who has a more modern approach to the Chinese Zodiac. He is LA's most eligible bachelor, Bennett O'Brien, and he is creating a dating app based on the Chinese Zodiac. And because Olivia is taking over this family legacy, she feels very threatened by this. So she does some sleuthing, and the two go head-to-head -head in a competition where they make a bet to see whose method works best. They make matches for each other, and whoever falls in love first loses. The underlying themes of the book are tradition versus modernity. I'm really fascinated with the way traditions evolve over time. And so I explore that in this book of how do we bring customs and culture into the future. It also explores compatibility versus incompatibility, opposites attract, and it's about legacy and how we make our own definition of success and how we find that in our own lives. It's also featuring mixed race characters, and there are on-the-page discussions about this 
and the feeling of not being enough in your culture, but also when you're taking over a business that um, has been around for 50 years, her popo and her auntie have both run it. And so feeling like you're enough can span many different areas. Love it. It's such a great idea for a book. Thank you. It was a lot of fun to write. Yeah, I bet. It feels like it. So that's great. It feels like it for the reader, for sure. So there's always a very interesting backstory to a book, especially with a debut. So can you tell us where the kernel of the idea to write Lunar Love came from and what convinced you to try your hand at writing a novel? Sure. So I grew up learning about the Chinese Zodiac, and I'm the year of the horse, which means I'm adventurous, independent, stubborn, though not not quite as stubborn as Olivia in some cases. (laughs) And I just really find the Chinese Zodiac a fascinating way to learn about ourselves as well as others. And so growing up learning about this, this book was a great way for me to dive back into my culture and learning more about the Chinese Zodiac. There's a lot of nuance and complexity to it. And then I set that in a rom-com setting and the online dating aspect came in because I met my husband online dating and I never thought I would. I was so anti-online dating. I just had the hesitancies that a lot of people have. You hear the horror stories, but I had third wheeled my sister and her now husband three too many times. And we had just come back from a, um, an Asian um, market in Brooklyn. And I was like, tonight, I'm signing up tonight. They helped me create my profile and I signed up for a six month subscription. I gave myself that amount of time. I didn't think it would even happen in that amount of time. I met my husband five days later. He was the first person that I met. Our date was five hours long. And three days later, we canceled our subscription. I had to pay for the whole thing, but it was worth it. Was it his first date too? I don't think so. I don't think so. But it was it was certainly mine. I had talked to some other people, but he was the first person that I actually had set up time to meet in person. And it wasn't, we both are like, it wasn't love at first sight, but maybe by date two, it was something. Oh, was that's amazing. Yeah. 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 I don't know a lot of people who could say they, you know, that the track record is, that's not your typical track record with the online dating, I would say. <laughs> it is not. Right. 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 I don't think I've ever heard that before. It's usually like years. Yes. Yeah. Too many horror stories, right? (laughs) And leaving and coming back and leaving and coming back. It's like, this won't work. This won't work. Absolutely. The book's dedication reads, for those who are also mixed and have felt like they aren't enough or don't belong, you are and you do. That was so emotional kind of to read, I think. Can you talk to us about your own experience of being mixed race and why you think it's important to include these themes and experiences in your fiction? Yes. And thank you for calling out the dedication. It has meant so much to me. And I know readers have resonated with that as well. And that is so meaningful. It's, It's really the reason why I wrote the book. I grew up not seeing myself or my family represented in the media, in movies or books. And so when I set out to write a novel, I really, it was so important to me to showcase mixed race characters and families that looked like mine, um, from children's books to novels and um, adult books. I just don't, um, you know, it's still something that I'm, I'm seeking out and hoping to see more of. And so I showcase both characters are mixed race, Chinese American. And I just thought this was so important to showcase as a mixed race person. I definitely feel like I am not enough Um, Many times I have racial imposter syndrome where I feel like I don't necessarily fit into any of my cultures. I'm Chinese, Welsh, Scottish, and Danish, and I am taking the time now to learn as much as I can about my cultures, the food that comes with those cultures, 
I've spent my, I say my kind of like young adult life growing up learning how to speak Chinese, but I still can't hold the conversation. I went to Chinese camp, I studied it in college, but it's very difficult when you're not fully immersed. And there's a line in the book where Olivia says, I fear I won't even know how to speak the, the language my own mother speaks. And I feel that extremely deeply because my mom speaks Mandarin and with her family. And it's something that I would still, even to this day, love to learn. Uh, very difficult when you're not fully it's immersed. It's so hard. Though, it right? is so yeah. hard. It is. Gotta be. Gotta be. And um, we, we were just talking with a previous guest, too, about how uh, readers are embracing things like this because they finally are reading books that they see themselves in. And it's just, that's kind of heartwarming. I just got goosebumps saying that, so. I think it's so important, right? I mean, think about for young kids growing up reading, reading books that not seeing themselves in the, on the you know pages of a book or on the TV screen. And thankfully, thankfully that's changing now. Um, yeah, absolutely. Grateful to you for being an agent of change. Thank you. I hope for that, for sure. Yes, I hope, <laughs> I hope to be. Thank you. Yeah, definitely. So we'd love to know more about Lunar Love's traditional Chinese approach to matchmaking. Um, can you tell us more about this method? And was it something you were already well-versed in? Or did you have to do a lot of research to get it right? I had to do a lot of research on it. I kind of knew the surface level of Chinese zodiac uh, traits. And so I know that we all have certain traits based on the year that we're born in. And it's not just the year. It's it's actually like your specific birth date because it's based on the lunar calendar. So it doesn't just go from year to year. There are overlaps in different years. And so most recently on January 22nd, we had Lunar New Year. And that's when we moved into the year of the rabbit. But up until the 22nd, it was still the year of the tiger. And so there's a lot of nuance like that. There are um, what's called ascendance, which is your birth hour. And that's a range of time between when you're born and that could be a different animal. And that animal sign traits can also play into your personality. And so I include those two elements in the book. There are elements as well uh, for the Chinese zodiac. I, I didn't include that in the book as a way of matchmaking, um, really to streamline it. And it's not a book only about the Chinese zodiac. It's really about the romance. Um, but I had to learn about all of those, the nuance of that, um, and then I also dove into matchmaking, and this was a way to matchmake people based on their signs. So because of these traits, you can match people with their most compatible animal and to see what signs or what traits will be best suited for each other. And then there are signs that aren't best suited for each other. So in the book, Olivia and Bennett are a horse and a rat, and those are complete opposites, and they do have that element of competition, and Olivia has her idea of what Bennett is like, because she knows so much about the Chinese Zodiac. Um, and so in China, matchmakers would matchmake people based on their family and their signs. And now it's a little bit interesting because there are dating apps and there are filters like blood type and salary and education and your job. And so it's really interesting how, um, how detailed we can get with these apps, even when I was online dating you can set a lot of different types of preferences for um, who you who you think you're looking for. And so all of these come up. Olivia calls online dating digital purgatory. <laughs> and, that, and I put a lot of my own kind of hesitancies into her. And she has a lot of growing to do over the course of the book. They both do. And um, she learns that uh, maybe online dating isn't um, 
as bad as she thinks, but she's used to the in-person method. That's awesome. So keeping along that theme a little bit, I did a little, well, hopefully correct research, and I found out that Meg is most likely the year of the rooster, and I I'm am. the year of the pig, <laughs> whatever. <laughs> what can you tell us about us? Okay, so for the year of the rooster, you love a debate. Yeah. And I don't, and, and so what I'll say, I don't know if you'll think it's necessarily true, but you don't love to share the spotlight maybe sometimes but you do appreciate flattery. You're not afraid to share your opinions or to share how you feel. Um, you might skew toward being a perfectionist maybe. Yeah, this is all feeling but you're <laughs> Okay. Okay, nice. And But you have a good heart. So It's funny. My husband's actually a rooster too. Is it bad to be with someone of the same sign or? It isn't bad. Um it isn't necessarily what is the triangle of compatibility. It's funny in the book, actually, um, Nina, the sister of Olivia, is marrying someone who is her sign too, and so they're both roosters as well. Which is oh, <laughs> tell us about Ron and the year. I'm of afraid. I'd <laughs> <laughs> be very afraid. No, you are thick-skinned. You don't let insults bother you. You um, don't love to be in a fight. Not a lot of, not a big fan of conflict, but you can be a little bit quick tempered um, and you're not great at saying no, maybe sometimes, um, but you love with your whole heart and rarely hold grudges. How does that feel? That pretty, pretty spot on. <laughs> well, it never says no to anything. Oh, I do. But you just so know it. <laughs> so we, we love how Lunar Love explores the conflict between tradition and technology. So can you talk a little bit about exploring those and, and how, how we fit both of those into our world? Yeah, it's it's a great question. And I, I work in tech, so I'm always kind of thinking about how technology influences our lives. Um, I work in design, and so I spend a lot of time thinking about um, unethical patterns and how the technology we use affect us in that way where we might be influenced in ways that aren't necessarily beneficial to us and our mental health and decisions that we actually want to make. And so from a design standpoint, typically we like to um, understand the user, our specific user for the company, whichever company we're at, and create products that help them accomplish their tasks and that are actually good for them. So technology in this world, I think, can be used for good. I, I met my husband online and that was, you know, I would not have met him without it. Like we, we both know this for certain. He wasn't even supposed to be in New York City at the time. We never would have crossed our paths. He had just gotten out of the military. And so it was totally, I call it the algorithms of fate because it felt very fatitious, but it was also, we found each other through technology. So I think in situations like that, it's been, it can be great. I also meet a lot of um, author friends and readers through social media. And that I think is another amazing benefit of technology. On the other hand, social media also, of course, has can have negative impact on our mental health. And, uh, you know, c comparison is a thief of joy and things like that. And so there is that balance. And so I think with technology, there comes a human element where we have to self-monitor the technology and how we use it and how we engage with it in our own lives draw those boundaries and create healthy 
um, rules for ourselves and and kind of give ourselves that that room to just allow it in when we want it to. I love that answer. I feel like you're going to be a great mom when you have kids who are, you know, (laughs) the rest of of us have braved this wild frontier where the kids have had access to technology that we didn't, you know, but nonstop. Yeah. And you're coming at it from this great place of like having come up through it. So you've learned and and you have such amazing perspectives. I'm excited for you. (laughs) Thanks. (laughs) It'll be a great teacher. Exactly. Exactly. Uh, Well, that could be the next book. Yeah. So I, I I can't quite finish with the Zodiac thing, but I think that a lot of people that are going to be listening to this are going to want to know where they can access more information about the Zodiac and maybe even kind of find out their own traits and things. Do you have some uh, resources to recommend? I do. So one, in the back of the book, there's a Zodiac chart, and that includes all the characters, their birthdays, their traits. So that's kind of like a nice... Um, teaser into what the Chinese Zodiac is, as well as learning it through the book. Um, Also on my website, laurenkungjessen.com, I have a whole Chinese Zodiac page where you can learn about your animal, as well as figure out which animal you are by finding your birth date, and then who you're compatible with. And then another great book that I recommend is, it's called The Handbook of Chinese Horoscopes, and it's by Theodora Lau and Laura Lau. And they just have, it's like, to me, it's like the Chinese Zodiac Bible. There's a, there are a lot of Chinese Zodiac books out there. And I did, I did cross-reference many of them to kind of see where the overlap might be. And there, there is a lot of overlap, but also in the way that adjectives are used and described, they can slightly vary, but I really love that one. And that's the one I recommend if you want to learn more. It really is so thick and filled with amazing information and in-depth character or I guess um, Chinese zodiac animal sign personality traits as well as explaining more about the lunar calendar the elements as well as the ascendance so cool tell us the name of it again it's called the the handbook of Chinese horoscopes cool cool well I I think there's a false impression out there that that romance writing is somehow easy and effortless. Uh, Maybe that's just because the way it reads, it reads. So there was a a very intelligent editor who once said, um, the easier it was to read, the harder it was to write. So we know that that's far from the truth. So talk to us about what inspired you to write in the romance genre. Sure. So I, once I became a quote unquote professional writer, I, with my job through user experience writing and design, I was like, okay, I can call myself a writer now. And I think a lot of writers experience that imposter syndrome of, can I call myself a writer? Am I a writer? And so I certainly felt that. And I gravitate toward the romantic comedy and romance genre because I grew up on them and I just love them so much. I started off with the movies and just love all the classics of the 2000s and 1990s and earlier. And again, with like the representation, like didn't see myself in it, but I, but I still loved them for the story and the love element. And I love love and I love to laugh. Laughter is one of the ways that I fall in love and my husband makes me laugh all the time. And it's one of the things that bonded us. And I love how in the romance and romantic comedy genres, you can explore the range of of human emotion in a safe space. You can 
explore love and loss and grief and happiness and sadness all within one book and know that at the very end, everyone will be okay and there will be a happy ever after. And you can, you can handle tough topics and talk about tough topics in the safe zone. And I really, I really appreciate that about romantic comedies and romance, especially, especially nowadays, as we kind of gravitate more toward that, there's a lot of tough topics and challenging topics being discussed in, in these books. And that does not make it easy to write at all. These decisions that you have to make around, well, how am I going to approach this? How will I talk about this? How will I show this? Is it on the page, off the page? And all of these decisions can be difficult. They can be challenging because you want to create that experience of feeling it, but you also want to make it a safe space too. Love that. Well, tell us, we we love nothing more than a good book recommendation on this show. So do you have favorite authors in this genre that you admire? So I love Abby Jimenez. Um, Mm -hmm. She's, it's hard for me to laugh out loud and to cry at books. There's like, I can name a handful of books that I've actually shed tears reading. And like, I feel the the depth of emotion, but it's hard to actually get me to like shed a tear. I think I'm an easy crier and I cry pretty easily, but (laughs) (laughs) I just have so internal reading books that um, she makes me do both. So with Abby's books, I laugh and cry. And she she tackles tough topics, which is something that I've tried to do in my books too, where I'm handling these challenging, complex topics, but in but you can laugh in the next scene, and I love that when I when I can do that in a, in a book. That's a great one. Um, so I want to go back a little bit and and, and dig a little bit deeper in, um, into your creation of Liv and Bennett. So what were the influences that helped bring them to life? And I also want to know how you arrived at the conflict and wager that they undertook. So for the development of Liv and Bennett, I had the Chinese Zodiac personality traits that I knew I wanted to incorporate. I knew what signs they were going to be in order for them to be opposites attract as well as rivals to lovers. And so I found that really fun, especially with their ages, because these animal signs correlate with your age. And so I had to think about that. I wanted to incorporate the traits in nuanced ways, writing it by showing it and not just saying I'm independent and stubborn, but it can be called out through other characters. I also wanted to avoid making any character in the book stereotypes of an animal sign because we aren't all, we aren't all of the traits of the animal signs that we are. And so I wanted to be really careful with that. That was something that I paid um, very careful attention to. But Olivia is the year of the horse and she is stubborn and her popo knows it, her friends know it. And a lot of that is because she feels like she has a lot to prove. She's mixed race Chinese American, but she's taking over this Chinese Zodiac company and she can hardly read the books that are written in Chinese about the Chinese Zodiac. So she feels like she has these inadequacies already. The business is struggling it's going up against modern companies. And so this this all has an impact on her, which is why she kind of leans into that independence and stubbornness a little bit more than, than maybe the average person might, because there's a lot at stake for her. She doesn't want to be a disappointment. She wants to carry this family, family legacy forward. And so these are all things that weigh on her. And of course, it's really frustrating that the competition is this handsome man who <laughs> stole a cocktail bun and... Um, who she feels slightly attracted to. So these are all 
all the all frustrations. Um, but I knew that that was who she was. But while she's adventurous, she's also not adventurous across every single thing in her life. She's very afraid of the water. And this comes up in the book as well, where she is not every single trait. For Bennett, I really wanted to showcase someone who was opposite of Liv. And he is a very sweet, patient man with Olivia. And and honestly, like these men exist. I have one in my life. My <laughs> husband is so patient with me when I go down rabbit holes, when I feel like I'm about to spiral, when I'm talking about the publishing industry or ideas. And he is just, he's so calm, cool, and collected. And I am not always. And so these these dynamics do exist. And so I thought that would be fun to show. He's year of the rat. And so he is an entrepreneur. He's ambitious. He and Olivia knows this about him. And so as a rat, he lives up to these kinds of uh, the, the rat traits, but he also doesn't. So it's kind of a balancing act that I had to play when I was writing these characters across the book because every single person in the book has a character, uh, an animal sign trait. And that was important to showcase. Um, but hopefully in a, in a way that captures the whole of the person. Absolutely does. Love it. For the competition. Yes. Um, my, when I was this, the first book went through so many iterations and edits and I spent a lot of time before we went out on submission with my agent to craft this. And so working with her on this, thought it'd be fun to have a competition in there and kind of turn some tropes on their head, like hidden identity, instead of dragging that out, showing that earlier, um, and kind of like doing things a little bit differently in that way. And so that was something that I also wanted to focus on in this book and, and my future books, of kind of like turning those tropes on their heads. It's awesome. Yeah, great job. So Lauren, you have a really interesting background. So you went to culinary school and you worked in the super high pressure restaurant scene and you also work in big tech. So can you tell us about that career path a little bit and, and how you think it informed your writing? Absolutely. So I, yes, I went to culinary school in New York City. Um, and then I also have a food and film blog called A Dash of Cinema, where I make the food that you see in movies. And I had started this in college and I was a film major, film and media major. And so I spent a lot of time in college watching movies and I have always loved food. And so I thought it would be really fun to combine the two. And I had, I, it's still around and I am trying to figure out time to get back to creating posts for it, but it was so fun. And then I worked after culinary school at 11 Madison Park, which in 2017 was the best restaurant in the world. Yes, yes. Very intense. (laughs) A very intense experience. Amazing. I feel like I got a first front row seat to incredible talent. And if more than anything, culinary school and working in this kitchen taught me about work ethic, how to work clean, how to prioritize, how to move quickly and push even when you're tired. And I certainly utilized those skills when I was writing these books where I have a day job. And so I wake up very early to write and then I stay up very late to finish writing. And then I write on the weekends. And this is specifically when I'm drafting. And so I'm trying to figure out a different cadence potentially for future books that's a little bit more sustainable and a little bit healthier for my mental health. Um, But I have also worked in 
Um, as I mentioned, I work in tech and all of these different experiences that I have done in my career have not only helped me for my job in user experience design, but also as a writer. And so that means I get to bring all of these experiences together. I always find it so interesting in books when characters have really cool jobs and they do things that um, I don't do. And so like Olivia is a Chinese Zodiac matchmaker and Bennett is creating this dating app, both things that I haven't done, but I have so many curiosities about different types of careers and jobs and lives that I almost feel like I get to live those when I'm writing yeah, these characters. Yeah, you scratch that itch a little bit, right? Exactly, <laughs> yes. Yeah. And because I have such a, one person has put it as a colorful, a colorful background, <laughs> I think I get to pull from all of those experiences and feelings and the, the people that I've met into my work. I love that. You use the term user experience, which I, I think like, really ultimately isn't a, a novelist has to concern themselves with that. It's not a term they would maybe naturally use, but it's really the whole point of a book. Right. It's, the concept of it. Exactly. Sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yes. Well, we love, I, I love the idea of your blog of, of a dash. Me too. Um, Thank you. So being the rom-com expert you are, if Lunar Love ever made it to the big or small screen, um, Let's manifest it. Yes, we're going <laughs> oh, to yes. manifest that right now. It's, um, who would be in your dream cast? <laughs> so I love this question, and I wish I had a better answer because I always see those dream cast boxes pop up on social media. And people are just like, they've got tons of stories of who these actors and actresses can be. And I always feel a little bit jealous because I don't have an answer for that. I don't know who could play these mixed-race Chinese-American characters because there just aren't a lot of them. And so speaking of agents of change, I would love to have Lunar Love kind of be that where we could find actors and actresses and get them working and make a movie that that showcases them, their family, because they, they do have diverse families. So I always wish I had a better answer, but at the same time, I love this question because I can say representation matters and we need yeah. to have more people. Absolutely. Yes. <laughs> you don't want to be like, isn't there that one guy? You want there to be a bevy of people to choose from. <laughs> Absolutely. For any given role. Yeah. Good yes. point. That's a great point. That's a great point. I love that answer. So you talked a little bit about in the back of the book that you had the zodiac signs of the characters, but you also have these amazing recipes. Can you talk yes. about inserting both of those into this book? Absolutely. I love when books have this. And after I read a book, if I'm just so excited about it, I want to read more. I want to learn about who the author is. I want to learn about how they came up with the idea, what their writing process was like. But then it's also so fun, especially because there's so much food in this book, including the food that you've seen that you've just read about and having recipes that you can then go turn into real life. So you can read about it and then you can actually go do it. And I think this comes from my love of turning things from the screen into real food. And so in this case, they're pages and I'm turning that into real food. But food is such an accessible way to learn about culture. It's how I learn about my cultures, whether I'm making Scottish shortbread or pork filled dumplings. I love including that real human element of connection and culture and food and just the deliciousness of it into the back. So I was really excited when the publisher, uh, my publisher agreed to include those. And then for the Chinese Zodiac, 
chart, I thought that was really important because if this is your first time coming to the Chinese Zodiac and learning about it, it can be a lot of information to take in. And then I think naturally readers are like, well, what am I? And so you can just, you can learn that right away in the back of the book. And a lot of readers have started learning about the Chinese Zodiac. And they're like, I Googled it. I did research. I was so curious about my traits. And I love that. I think that is so amazing. What a great way to start a discussion with yourself and with your family and friends and colleagues to learn more about each other, similar to how a lot of people do it with Western astrology and relating to those traits. Yeah. I love that. I love when a book has great bonus content in the back because it just makes it so much more of a full circle reading experience. You you turn that last page, you love the story, you're like, chef's kiss. And I have to read the acknowledgments and the author's note. And then, but you have it all, you have discussion questions and um, recipes. It's all there. It's all there. So you can just, you know, the whole thing comes full circle for you. It's great. Definitely. And I, I, I love, so I grew up I, because of this blog, I love film and movies. I watched the Oscars. It was kind of like my Super Bowl yeah. of the year. Me too. And, <laughs> yeah, it's so fun. And so I like I would go in college to like find a TV at a restaurant to watch it because I didn't have a TV in my dorm room. Um, and so I love when people who win the award have kind of more of a story to tell than just listing off a bunch of names. And so I think of that when I'm writing acknowledgments where I'm like, I want this to be a continuation of the story instead of just like a whole list of names. And so I try to be really cognizant of that because I just think back to Oscar speeches and how like I'm not winning an Oscar by any yeah. means, but I just love more of it like being a story. Yeah, that's great. I love that. Like when I was younger and I, I just did, nobody in my family cared about the Oscars, but I did. Okay. Did you yeah. practice? Did you practice this, an acceptance hairbrush, speech? Your hairbrush speech. <laughs> you know, I don't know if I ever did, but I, I'm so dramatic and emotional that I always was like, I think that's why I can like get into the heads of characters because I'm like, I could have been an actress, like maybe. Like. <laughs> totally. Um, well, speaking of your author's note, at the back of the book, you call the book a love letter to Chinese traditions and the ways we make customs our own. So did writing the book give you a different understanding or a new appreciation of traditions? And, and tell us um, what are some of your own family traditions that help keep you rooted in your Chinese background? Definitely. I learned so much in the writing of this book. There were superstitions and customs and traditions that my mom had passed down to my sister and I. Um, Like you don't wear shoes in the house. You don't wear white in your hair. And white is typically worn at funerals and um, engravings. So I know with Western weddings, we were white. And so one tradition that I did in my life is I wore a white wedding dress and then I did a mid-event outfit change into a red dress to celebrate both of those cultures and traditions. And then we had a tea ceremony where we blended tea, my favorite tea and my husband's favorite tea into one that we then passed out to guests. Um, Every birthday, Lunar New Year, we eat long life noodles and that is to symbolize a long life good fortune. And I learned about a couple of traditions in the book. One was the cookie day, which happens before wedding. Olivia's sister is getting married and they have a cookie day. And traditionally it's where the husband's family provides cookies and something sweet because the the bride will then leave the family. 
Um, and now they just, they just ate a lot of cookies on that event. And that's kind of how it has evolved over time and how I evolved it into Lunar Love, um, as well as a tradition using Joss paper. And I'm trying to be careful how I say this, so there's no spoilers, but right, right, don't. When, <laughs> yeah. when someone passes, um, they, the family will then buy Joss paper, paper money, paper items, literally items that are created with paper to look like things, shoes, planes, cars, houses, clothing, um, like you name it. Literally, I've seen, I've seen paper jets. I've seen paper yachts. And you can then, you burn these items and that goes up to the afterlife with the person who has passed and they can have that in their life. So you, you can provide a trunk for them to hold all of these items can give them things that they just never had in this in this world. And I thought that was so beautiful. I was just so touched by that tradition. And it honestly, it sparked conversation with my own family and my aunties where I was like, has this, like, have you ever done this? Has this been a thing in our family? And they, it just sparked conversation and dialogue about about topics that I never would have had Otherwise, I, I still have my popo and gong gong. And so I am, am lucky to have them in my life still. And so these traditions that get passed down, they might change over time, but I love to know the origin of, of how they started, how people celebrated, and then seeing where they go from here, I think is really fascinating. Yeah, I love it. I have to say that, um, no spoilers, but that was one of my favorite scenes in the book. I just was so touching and emotional and you know you, you just such a brilliant job of conveying the everything behind that so thank you so much oh, gosh i just got goosebumps again <laughs> <laughs> so with a debut novel of course you have to deal now with the pandemic over you some some book tour stuff so that must have been really interesting for you can you tell us a little bit about that and we noticed that you were at, just at movable feast too and i'd like to hear a little bit about that as well Sure. Yes. So the way that everything fell this, this year, this debut year, a lot of, there were a lot of events on my pub week, which I really appreciated. I thought that it was really nice to kind of be busy that week. And there was an amazing outpour of love from social media, which I just found so touching. And I got to go to New York city, which is where I met my husband. So mm -hmm. it felt very full circle of being able to be there on, on pub week. Oh, that's great. Yeah. It was really, really great. We love New York so much. It's very, it's a special place in our hearts for, for many reasons. And then most recently this past weekend, I was at Movable Feast in Winston-Salem, North Carolina, and I got to meet other authors who I've admired from afar and just fangirl over um, and get books signed. And then also got to meet a lot of readers from, from the area. But I, you know, it's so fun when you meet readers who you also follow on social media Yes, And so that, that was the case at this um, event, which was so lovely. I did my first public reading of Lunar Love. I read the opening passage, um, the first two paragraphs from that. And that was a thrill yes. to be able to read from Lunar Love. I haven't done that yet. I had my launch event at the bookshop here in Nashville, which was wonderful. Um, it's, it's amazing gem of a bookstore with the most amazing curated books. It's just so wonderful. And we had a, a night event for that. My husband and I made a horse-shaped cake, which makes oh, an I appearance in the book. I saw that. On yeah. 
and does not look as good as the one Olivia would have made, <laughs> but it was delicious and it had all of its limbs. And then when we cut it, we took a photo because there's a comment about that of like dismembering the horse shaped cake. <laughs> and so it was just a really fun way to celebrate nods to the book. Um, and then there's some virtual events as well. So it's kind of, again, going back to that question about technology, how amazing if you can't be somewhere to be able to just log in, right. similar to what we're doing right, right now with yeah. this podcast. Yeah. Yeah. So That's great. what got us through the pandemic too. Oh yeah. I mean, that's Absolutely. where friends and fiction came from, you know? Oh, that's it's great. Trying yeah. to stay connected. Yeah, totally. Definitely. Um, so Lauren, tell us what we can look forward to um, from you next. I mean, uh, hopefully more meet cute stories. You're so good at them. Yes. Thank you. Yes, I have a, another book in the works. Yay. I am receiving edits back soon, and it grapples more with soulmates and fate. Ooh. And okay. um, I love to root myth in reality, and so to bring myth and, and traditions and and folklore into our day to day lives. And what does that look like? And so this next book really touches upon those beliefs and how they impact us in our everyday life. And how we approach love. I love that. Ooh, okay. I can't wait. I'm ready. <laughs> yes, we're ready. We're ready for the next one. Um, so tell yes. our listeners where they can connect with you online and find out more about you and your books and and all that. Sure. I am on Instagram and Twitter at Lauren K. Jessen. And my website is laurenkongjessen.com. All right. Awesome. Great. And I think people will be flocking to those. Oh, yes. <laughs> Go check out find the horse out cake. Traits. It's on Instagram. We saw it. That's it right. Is. We saw it. It's there. <laughs> I like the inspiration cake, which is completely not attainable. And then you put the real cake that you made. Which... It's aspiration versus reality. Yes. Yeah. I couldn't even make the cake you made for sure. So, yeah. so. <laughs> yes. So Lauren, we can't thank you enough for joining us. It's such a lovely book. It's full of romance, but it's got a lot of heart and it, you know, it tackles with some realistic things too. It's going to grab our listeners. We're so grateful to you for sharing so much with us and uh, we cannot wait to see what you come up with next. Thank you both so much. This was wonderful. Thank you. And thank you all for tuning in for this Valentine's Day special. We hope you'll visit bookshop.org to buy Lunar Love along with every pod and Wednesday live show guest books while saving some money and helping indie bookstores. We hope you'll share our podcast with your friends. Thank you for tuning in to the Friends in Fiction Writer's Block podcast. Please be sure to subscribe, rate, and review on your favorite podcast platform. Tune in every Friday for another episode. And you can also join us every week on Facebook or YouTube, where our live Friends and Fiction show airs at 7 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. We are so glad you're here. Produced by Autovita Studios. Connect your voice to the world.